0: Howdy friends, this is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 80 of the PopeCast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter, and a reminder that all the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. A quick reminder, especially before we get into today's episode in particular, to join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the podcast. Now, normal episodes always release a day early for patrons, not to mention stickers, mugs, and shirts as perks. But for episodes like today, where we feature special guests, we always like to preserve some additional bonus content exclusively for patrons from our guests never to be heard anywhere else. So head on over if you've been meaning to or have never checked it out before. That's patreon.com slash the Popecast to support the show. Now today's episode tackles one of the most recent and saltiest papal conspiracy theories pretty much in the history of the Catholic Church. Just 43 years ago, a pope reigned for a mere 33 days before dying under suspicious circumstances. Was it all just a strange coincidence, or was there something more nefarious at play This week on the Popecast, we're joined by our friends over at the Pillar once again to find out Was Pope John Paul I murdered? Uh, With us today, very exciting. Coming back to the Pope guest, I think you're the first returning guest ever in the history of the show, um, is J.D. Flynn, editor-in-chief of The Pillar, and also Michelle Arosas from uh, also from The Pillar. So today we're going to be talking about the great uh, Pope John Paul I, soon to be blessed Pope John Paul I. Um, now, of course, listeners to the show will remember that about a month-ish ago, from when we are recording this, we did an episode on him, so why are we covering him again? Well, uh, it's specifically about the conspiracy about whether or not he was murdered. And so uh, it just so happens that the pillar just ran a um, great story on that. Michelle did a deep dive on that. So um, maybe Michelle quickly overview of who John Paul the first was. Everybody knows John Paul the but not nearly as many know John Paul the first. Um, maybe just assume that there never was one or something, but so who is John Paul the first? And then what was kind of the impetus aside from his announced beatification for, for doing this deep dive?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh first of all, thanks so much for having us both on here. Um, yeah, so John Paul the First uh had a very short papacy, which is why a lot of people don't probably even realize that um that he you know was the Pope. <clears throat> but if you look at the, the line of popes, there was um John the twenty third, Paul the Sixth, and then John Paul I. He pulled from both of his predecessors' names and then John Paul II. Um, but John Paul I was only Pope for 33 days, so he was just getting started. Um, he, he really only did a couple of things, a couple of masses, a couple of speeches. Um, and he was, um, you know, 33 days into his papacy when he was found dead one morning. And, um, so when the news came in that he was going to be beatified, we did a piece looking at, um, just kind of a basic overview of who was he, you know, why should you know him? What were some of the hallmarks of his very short papacy? And one of the, um, one of the hallmarks of his very short papacy was his sudden and unexpected death, which is among people who do know him, probably the thing that he's best known for. So we decided to just take a look at um some of the conspiracy theories surrounding that. Um and there's quite a bit quite a bit of interesting material there. So that ended up being its own piece.
2: Because Michelle, you were intrigued. When you when you were kind of just looking into the life of John Paul I, you were you were intrigued about the the conspiracy theories of his death.
1: I did start going down a rabbit hole a little bit. I, I have to say I'm not normally one for conspiracy theories. I just don't generally find them very convincing, but I found these ideas just intriguing and I guess more engaging than your average conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah. I have to say, uh, I agree. I'm normally not one. I think I, I buy into the JFK one that there was two gunmen, but other than that, like the moon landing and stuff, I've, I've heard like people who are compelled by the arguments for it, but yeah, I'm normally not one for it, but, but yeah, it's just very strange. I mean, to set aside that maybe that there was a prophecy that John Paul II somehow knew that he was going to be elected again or elected or something. Um, yeah. So, what was the story on the conspiracy? Because obviously, thirty-three days, everybody shocked. All the cardinals, like I think Benedict the has said uh, about that time, that it was just like incredibly sad that the pope had died. They just picked the guy, and
2: then God apparently was saying, "Nope, <laughs> pick another well, one." Fine, or right? <laughs> yeah. Had he even had he even gotten Michelle? Like, had he even gotten his white clothes yet? Like, I imagine like you can't just buy white stuff off the rack. So, I imagine he had to get all that
1: tailored He, he and stuff had but... the formal installation all of the all of the ceremonies surrounding that i assume that that's where the white clothes come in i didn't actually see pictures well there are pictures of him in white so
2: yeah but you know like i wonder because first they start out wearing just like small medium or large and then they get it tailored to themselves I, yeah I he might not have had
1: in. yeah yeah oh i my. did not actually find that information that's a very good question
2: very i wonder if the holy See had to pay like if it hadn't been delivered <laughs> before he died i wonder if the holy See had to pay <laughs>
0: Were John Paul the second and John Paul the first roughly the same size? That would have been nice. Same oh mover. yeah, that would have been perfect. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's suspicious enough that he
0: dies a month in. But um, did those conspiracies happen right away? And then, I mean, you listed out kind of the main characters. So who were the the key suspects, if you want to call it, the yeah, people so who could have pulled this off?
1: Um. So you know, there were initially questions surrounding his death. I think you know it kind of lent itself to that because he was. Um, it was such a short papacy, and he was healthy as far as people knew. People were not aware. You know, he he didn't give the appearance of someone who was old or sick, so people were not aware of um, any major health issues. Um, but then, you know, there were a couple of factors that I think also kind of really fueled the fire in terms of conspiracy theories. Um, and the, the first main one was that uh, the official Vatican documents said that he had died of a heart attack. But there was no autopsy performed. So the question was, well, how do you know that he died of a heart attack if you, if you, you know, haven't done an autopsy? And it's, um, it's typical that, that autopsies are not performed for popes. Um, but some of the other details surrounding the Vatican announcement didn't seem to add up. Um, they said that the pope was found sitting up in bed and he still had his, you know, the smile that he was known for and he was still holding his, the papers that he was reading. Um, so I think some people question if you've just had a massive heart attack, are you still, you know, literally gripping your reading material and smiling? Or would you, you know, be collapsed or in some other way, you know, look like you've, you've suffered a major heart attack? Um, and then the other thing that, that really kind of raised eyebrows was that the Vatican went under, underwent the process of embalming his body immediately. Um, and both Vatican protocol and Italian law would have stipulated waiting at least 24 hours. So there was the, the Vatican claimed that it was because it was so hot that they um, in in the heat they needed to um, embalm right away so his body wouldn 't decompose for the official viewing um, but that's that 's not the protocol that they had followed thirty three days earlier in August uh, when the previous pope had died, and so there was some speculation that they were trying to cover up evidence of poisoning in the blood by embalming right away
0: that 's fascinating i I thought what you said immediately. There was like, oh, like a day later instead of a week later. But within, it's like, oh, and ship them straight up to, yeah. to get embalming. That is very, that is very strange. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would definitely raise a lot of eyebrows. So who are the people that, uh, that started to come out of the woodwork in terms of the people who are suspected of maybe doing this in the, so the these, Yeah, right? There,
1: there's a variety and these I find less, less, um, compelling. I'm, I'm not really sure why I'm not really sure that there's strong evidence, um, you know, implicating any of them specifically um one is a as a cardinal who was the head of the um congregation for bishops at the time so he had a very strong influence on being able to pick um being able to to suggest you know priests who would make good bishops and so the um the argument there is that he was a secretly a freemason who was working to get some very liberal bishops appointed and that JP1 had been had caught on to him had been warned about him um, and he he actually had just removed him from the congregation um, that he had been leading. So there was some speculation that perhaps he wanted to get back at him. Apparently, he was also the last known person to see the Pope alive that night um, before he died. So he's, I guess, among the among the different figures out there, he's one of the more compelling ones.
2: <laughs> I'm going to like overuse the Ooh. ominous music like coming in. So, so the Pope fired him. The, Michelle, the Pope fired him, and then this guy was the last person to see the Pope alive. Well? Yeah,
1: that's according to all the theories, all the reports that he, he seems to have. And his be the last name one was one.
2: Cardinal Betchu, is that right? I, I want to make sure. Make...
1: Well, so interestingly enough, the 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 second main theory that's probably, I guess, among these the most credible involves um, a financial scandal involving Vatican Bank. Which that one, when, when I read that, was like, oh wow, like I, I don't know anything about this particular financial scandal, but I believe that it's feasible just given all of the financial <laughs> scandals, you know, that are going on today. Um, so, and that one involves, there's a lot of different characters that could potentially be involved, the mafia, um, the masons again. Um, but that, that JP two was about to, or JP one rather was about to order an investigation into the scandal. And so in order to stop it, they, um, killed him.
0: Man, that's fascinating. So, well, and maybe there's a a quick clarifier because in America you say Freemasons and it like, has lots of different connotations, none of which are particularly threatening. It's like, oh, they run a hospital for kids or, oh, that's where all of like, kind of like the Elks, right? But I mean, in Europe, especially 50 years ago, the Freemasons were a huge, huge deal where there's actually pretty legitimate anti-Catholic prejudice and kind of animus between the two groups, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's true in the US too, uh, that the, the the anti-Catholic animus maybe was was not as prominent or not as apparent. Um, but there's definitely a history there, and and more um, more apparent in Europe. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Freemasons like from for a long time have been you know kind of connected to sort of Enlightenment ideals that are opposed to the uh, opposed to the teachings of the church in various ways. And free and you know Freemasons at high levels have had to ma- have to make these apparently have to make these kind of um, these commitments that would put their commitment to Freemasonry above even their commitment to, to the Church, and, you know, it's been, I think, no secret that at the time of, like, Italian unification and things like that, Freemasons were an operative, a large and operative, you know, um, social and political force that opposed the existence of the Papal States and wanted to work towards um, Italian unification and drop the influence of, um, and diminish significantly the the influence of of the church on on European society and and I think that ex- that exists too in in um, American Freemasonry although uh, one of the differences is that America is not historically a catholic country and so um it like the the role of freemasonry in the formation of um uh, sort of American culture is different because it's not sort of oppositional to, uh, to 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 the teachings of catholicism but it has been forbidden to be a freemason for for a Catholic, I want to say, uh, I want to say, like since the uh, early 18th century, does that sound does that sound right to you guys? That it's been forbidden to be a Freemason since the early 18th century, and um, it's carried with it an excommunication since at least 1917, if not before.
0: Yeah, I knew that there was. I knew that it was forbidden officially, but I never knew. I don't think I ever knew when that that was made. Yeah. So interesting so then there was also it seems like these ones get a little bit more fantastical but like the CIA was on the list right and opponents opponents of the um, Latin mass tridentine mass right
1: yeah yeah and those those ones um it's a little bit harder to find much evidence <laughs> on those ones it's i think that's a little bit more just kind of wild speculating um either that the CIA wanted to put in a pope who was going to be more in line with their foreign policy goals um or that uh, JP one was preparing to restore the traditional Latin mass, so um, he was the first pope that had been elected after the second Second Vatican Council had concluded, um, and so there was an argument that he was preparing to bring back the traditional Latin mass as kind of the norm, and so he was murdered from, you know, to prevent him from doing that.
2: Michelle, is the notion then of the, I'm just curious of the CIA conspiracy theory that John Paul II was more in line with the CIA's foreign policy some, goals,
1: some of, the, um, some of the theorists say that yes, that the, the JP two was kind of um, was kind of their guy, was the CIA's guy. I didn't so I didn't yes. find any compelling evidence for that argument at all. That yeah. one was just kind of tossed out there.
0: Seems like the CIA is kind of the fall guy for lots of those things. It's, oh, yeah, it's, like, it's oh, the, I'm CIA. the CIA. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, Mm -hmm. it's also funny about the, you'd think it would be the opposite because, uh, John Paul II, one of his assassination attempts was, was like a Spanish priest in a really radical, uh, schismatic order that was in favor of the Latin mass. So you wouldn't normally think that the opponents of the Latin mass would somehow have a radical group that would go kill the Pope. Um, seems like it's, yeah, sort of backwards, but at any rate, uh, so then, there's got to be evidence, right? I mean, there was—you already mentioned some of it, but um, in terms of the the likelihood, you can obviously throw out the names all you want, but um, what was kind of the some of the compelling, some more of the compelling evidence that he actually was at least didn't die of normal circumstances, right?
1: Um. So, so it's kind of started out with just kind of these irregularities, um, you know, the the lack of an autopsy, the um, the rush to embalm. But there have been a couple, you know, these these kind of conspiracy theories won't die. So there have been a couple efforts to look into the science behind it and say, is this valid? Is this not? Does this make any sense? And um, some of those were really interesting. I found a couple of videos that went into um, a little bit more into depth into the science of it. Um, and one of the one of the findings was that um, they, it is not in fact necessary to embalm the pope's body immediately to prevent it from decomposing. And what they did, they had these forensic scientists who um, create who took a, a kind of a tank to recreate the exact temperature and humidity conditions in Rome at the time, and then took a dead pig's body and left it there for a couple of days. And apparently, pigs decompose at a rate very similar to humans. So they checked in on the body, and it took several days before any decomposing had started. So they determined that that was not actually necessary. Um, that argument, you know, kind of fell through. Um, but then at the same time, they also found that doing a a rush embalming job would not necessarily have blocked the detection of poison. So the, the conspiracy theorists say, oh, the reason he was embalmed right away was so that people couldn't detect poison in the bloodstream. Well, apparently a quick embalming is not going to do that. So, um, you know, hard, hard to say. (laughs) Um, then, uh, they've all, they also looked into a couple of other claims, um, the biggest one was that you would not still be smiling and holding your papers serenely as if you had just had a massive heart attack. Um, you know, they said it's not always as dramatic as you might see it in movies, you know, people clutching their chest and falling over dramatically, but he certainly would have would have you know not been sitting there peacefully he, he you know would have been in a different pose um, and then then there was another another piece of evidence kind of fueling conspiracy theorists is that initially the Vatican had said that. The Pope's secretary had found him that morning when he had died, and then later they went back and said, "Well, it was actually a nun who was coming in to bring him his morning coffee and so the the inconsistency there kind of led people to raise an eyebrow, and it's quite possible that they they had been afraid of potential scandal with the idea of a nun entering his room early in the morning to bring him his coffee and so they just kind of changed the names there um initially, but just the the inconsistency, I think kind of adds fuel to the fire anytime you know, the Vatican gives an official statement and then says, Oh, actually that's not what happened.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, cause decorum, I think would still have been playing a much. Well, I mean, it still does, I think in Rome, um, more than, you know, America or whatever. Um, one thinks of Mitt Romney dressing up as Ted Lasso in a, okay. in a tweet or something. i think it's a U.S. Senator, you know, all that type of thing. So I mean, you can get that. I also have heard that, I don't know that this has anything to do with the conspiracy theory, but, um, I didn't realize that it wasn't true that he was reading The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, and in reality just had some business sermon, papers or something, right? Sermon,
1: sermon notes, I think. Yeah, there was some debate about what he was actually reading that day that mm-hmm. led to some different speculation, yeah.
0: So do they say uh, the people who said you wouldn't be smiling and sitting up, still clutching your papers, what would cause that? Would it just be something that stops the heart? just immediately without any sort of warning or
1: they you know they said that um it, he could it could have been something else but not a heart they they kind of just looked at the massive heart attack thing it's it, um it, they're not necessarily saying oh somebody came in and repositioned his body you know there's no way he died a natural death they were just saying that that is unlikely that somebody who had suffered a massive heart attack would have, would still be sitting in that pose there there was um uh there is a book that came out a couple years ago i think in 2017 that made the claim by um, a Vatican journalist that said that his, the Pope's medical records actually do show that he had a heart condition that mm-hmm. wasn't well known at the time, but um, that he, he, he was taking medicine for a heart condition and that he had had a brief, but intense uh, chest pain earlier that evening. So that would sort of lend credibility to the idea that he might have suffered a heart attack. Um, you know, so it's, it, 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 uh, could go either way, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I've always heard that story, too, that he had the heart condition, had medication that was fine, and just like in the hullabaloo of getting elected pope, he just ran
2: out of of medication, Mm -hmm. right? Mm
1: -hmm. Hadn't gotten more yet.
2: Is it certain that he, like, was indeed found smiling and holding papers or whatever, or was that just kind of like what the Holy See said because— That's just the Vatican statement,
1: yeah. So that's—yeah, we don't have— photos or oh, so there's
2: no like pictures of him like post-mortem pictures or something like that
1: correct
0: hmm. i'd also heard Jeez. that his fingernails turned black or something is that a real thing
1: i did not come across that
0: i, feel like I, read, I think i had read that somewhere but <clears throat> maybe i'm confusing it with angels and demons by dan brown no i'm kidding uh but so all things That's being a... equal let's pretend hypothetically um that the Pope was murdered. What was, what would you have considered the most likely case based on all that you read? I mean, what was the most I, compelling case for it?
1: I thought the Vatican financial scandal was the most, uh, most likely reason. <laughs> um, and you know, involving a lot of different people and, and, um, the fear that a, a big scandal is going to be uncovered. Um, and I mean, I, I suppose poison would would be a more likely, Option. I feel like I'm playing a game of Clue. Um, it, was the, it was the Mafia in the papal suite with some kind of poison. The, the, there's, there's a specific type of poison that that generally gets tossed around as being the most likely culprit. Um, but I don't. I don't know that you know. That's necessarily the case. I th- that that's the one that they ruled out when they said um, embalming would not prevent you from detecting that particular toxin in the blood. Um, but I, I imagine poisoning would be a way to not, you know, have physical marks or anything left on the body. And then, you know, it would be easy enough for somebody to come rearrange the body to make it look like he's sitting up, um, smiling. I don't know. I don't know, you know, that that is very realistic. That could have been, you know, either the Vatican not wanting to admit that this guy's just been murdered because they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to have to solve a crime or it could be, you know somebody in the on the inside was was in on it and so they embalmed the, took the body away right away so that nobody would get a chance to look at it too closely
2: mhm
0: so what was kind of the final determinant of the people who have looked into this really uh in depth or written about it or whatever as far as whether it's likely to be true or not like what's the what's the a ultimate consensus a lot of consensus? people have written
1: about it with strong opinions the, the the actual forensic scientists that have looked into it seem to not have a strong opinion about whether he was murdered or not just about specific things well You know, it doesn't appear that he um, it doesn't appear that he would have suffered a heart attack if he was found in this position. But they don't go so far as to say he didn't suffer a heart attack because they're not sure that he was, in fact, found in that position. There's just so many variables um, that they're they're more likely to just say, well, this part of it seems unlikely or, oh, that part of it could be true.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. What's Michelle's take on it?
1: My take on it? I think he was murdered.
2: (laughs) really into
1: that possibility
2: wow all right
0: i mean when you look at what happened to cardinal pell that he was i mean if he had refused to go would they have tried to kill him and he would have been found clutching papers and smiling in his it
1: just seems like there's a lot of scand- it just seems like scandal is not uh shocking at this now, point. now
2: michelle let me ask you this you 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 have two you've made two points that i find interesting one That you think the most plausible argument in favor of the possibility that John Paul I was murdered, or the most likely scenario for why he would have been assassinated, I suppose, is the Vatican financial scandal. And two, you think that it's probably true, and yet you work for a news outlet that covers Vatican financial scandal. Does that make you nervous?
1: (laughs) Me, no. Maybe, maybe some other people on our staff should be, but.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you're like you're kind of the. Um, you're the, you're the sort of the genius that keeps everything running. So, and now I'm well, saying that out loud right that, now. nobody knows that
1: unless you say that, J.D. Nobody but else. I'm saying it out loud now as think often of as color, I possibly they can. Of, they think of J.D. and Ed, they don't think of me. I'm happy to be kind of in the background.
2: Well, I am. For this exact I, reason. Now that I know what's at stake, I'm happy to <laughs> clarify your role in the foreground. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know I mean, how many people in Rome actually listen
0: to this podcast, so. We'll you find may out. be more safe than not who knows
1: if I, if i die of a massive heart attack sometime in the next uh, oh man now i
2: feel really bad Make michelle sure michelle it's not michelle's fault it's it's not michelle's <laughs> fault it's ed's fault all, all of it <laughs> so you said you made
0: one good point what was the other good point no made. no I think Michelle's made many many good points oh, but I thought, oh, oh, but oh, I was yeah. just
2: noting there are two things that she said that struck me that she thinks it was about the Vatican finance scandal and that she thinks it's uh-huh, it's yes, true I don't know that um, I don't know
1: that I'm not sure that I want to go on the record and say that I think it's probably true <laughs> Well what like is that Okay maybe we can not. go
0: this maybe we can go this direction that I said So uh what would what would that do to his candidacy to be a saint I mean because there's obviously martyred saints but usually martyred saints have witnesses to the martyrdom of some sort. So if he was murdered, would it preclude him from being declared a saint or alternatively is his being declared a saint? Like the Holy spirit's way of saying he didn't die of nefarious you, causes or something.
1: Did you say martyred or murdered?
0: Murdered. I was saying, so oh, like okay. people who are, who are actually martyred for the faith typically are done like in a public setting or there's people who saw it or something like that. So it doesn't preclude them. Like I know Thomas is a campus was, God help us, buried alive. And so that's why he's not a saint, even though he wrote this you know, great work. Why? Um, I don't
2: understand. You can be murdered and still be a saint,
0: right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Would it, would it affect it because it wasn't witnessed by anybody other than well, the murderer, th- I suppose? Would it affect it at all? I don't think so. Condesc-
1: I thought that the idea with being buried alive is that you can't be a saint because they don't know if you despaired at the last moment. Like, right. But if he... I mean, if he... Whether... Whether or not, he, I mean, how many saints do we actually know what their last moments
0: Yeah, totally. That's
2: what I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. So I'm thinking, you know, Thomas the Campos was alone in the coffin. So if John Paul I was poisoned, was he alone mm. or was there the person standing in the shadows making sure Could that he, he died and might then slinked out the door? Like
1: died in a, in a bit of rage and like, or something Kind um, of mortal sin.
0: He was actually frowning when they came in, and they changed his face to. Oh, I, you oh, know, I—that's I,
1: I, an interesting question. One, th- one possibility. Um, you know, it's not too late to do an autopsy. I don't think that they will, because um, I don't think they have any desire to. You know, open, go down that door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, open can that you door, imagine? Go down that. Go down that, uh, go down that rabbit hole, but um, because he was embalmed so quickly. If they were to do an autopsy today, they might not be able to definitively determine the cause of death, but they could determine whether it was a heart attack or not. They could um, look at his heart, see what shape it's in, and determine whether that was the cause or not.
2: Could they still tell if there was poison in his body, or is it too late?
1: I think, I think it, at least for the one type of poison, I think it's too late for that.
2: Mm. 43 years, right? Yeah. Michelle, do you think that... But you don't think they will do an autopsy before his canonization or something like that? No.
0: Well, um, you'll have to uh, reply to the tweets and the other social media posts when you see this episode post and let us know what you think, um, dear listeners. So uh, since we have two people from the illustrious pillar with us, and given that today, the day that we are recording this, um, one president joseph r biden uh visited the vatican and had a private meeting with the pope and supposedly the pope said you're a good catholic and you should keep re- receiving communion and i think um we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on um our thoughts on this or um jd i think i'll i'll pass that to you first just what you think yeah, is sure. most likely this is where, yeah conspiracy is mean, abounding
2: yeah so i would just say so we're recording this on friday you know like in the afternoon and so um, who knows, more information could kind of emerge, but what happened today was basically that, you know, P- President Biden met with the Holy Father because he, you know, was in Rome, and, and um, the Holy Father regularly meets with heads of state, and they they had a long meeting, just the two of them, so usually the Pope meets with people, like heads of state, you know, presidents or what have you, for like about a half an hour, but they met for like almost 75 minutes, um, and uh, and so actually the the president's kind of whole day got... Pushed out of schedule by that. But a little bit later in the day, he was um, taking questions when he was meeting with Italy's prime minister, and a journalist asked if they had talked about abortion, and uh, which would you know stand to reason because the president is a Catholic who is supportive of uh, um, expanded legal protections for abortion and federal funding for abortion, which is something that has um, merited him um, the, uh, the displeasure of, um, of many of America's bishops and many of America's Catholics. And, uh, and so someone asked, uh, him, you know, did you talk about abortion with the Pope? And he said, no, we didn't get into that. And he said, well, except that he said that I'm a good Catholic and should continue to receive communion. And then someone asked him again, did you um, d- did you just say that the Pope said you should continue to receive communion? And Biden said, yeah, that's that's what I said. So it's very sort of definitive about what he s- said the Pope had, had claimed. And this is making lots of headlines today, um, you know, in both Catholic and secular media because um of course the US bishops are in the middle of a debate about how much what and how much they should say about what we call eucharistic coherence or eucharistic worthiness in other words should people who are um in some way um acting you know consistently contrary to the teachings of the church be prohibited from receiving holy communion so i don't know i mean what we have here is basically one account of a meeting and um uh, you know no no corroboration of that account of the meeting and I, I don't know, Michelle, I'm curious what you think, but I, I do not expect that we would get sort of Vatican a Vatican take on what happened in that meeting.
1: It's I my understanding is that the Vatican does not typically go into, you know, transcript or, or much detail about what's being said in those meetings. So yeah, my understanding is that we're not gonna get any more to clarify.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. so far Matteo Bruni, who, you know is the works in the Sal Stampa I said, like, well, it was a private meeting. I thought it was kind of interesting. Biden, you know, President Biden talked about these things. He said, this is what the Pope told me. And people asked me, he's like, no, this is, yeah, this is what the Pope told me. And then someone asked him, well, did you guys talk about the U.S. Bishops' Conference? Because obviously there's all this going on at the Bishops' Conference. And Biden goes, oh, man, it was a private conversation, which is kind of interesting because he, it, <laughs> it did not seem to be a consistent perspective that he couldn't talk about it because it was a private conversation but only part of it. But, yeah, I think you're right, Michelle, that usually the Holy See does not sort of clarify when they have these kind of meetings. The, the person who meets with the Pope is sort of at liberty to say what they want, and then they don't usually clarify.
0: Now, um, obviously, it's another, another thing that we may never know the actual truth because unless the Pope comes out on uh, next Wednesday and says, no, I didn't say that, or yes, I did say that, so sue me, or don't, or whatever, um, we'll probably never know, right? But how much of it kind of smacks of it's extremely convenient politically or otherwise that you know whether it's biden himself president biden himself or his entourage saying we want the headline after we meet the pope to be x and we know that the vatican press office is is gonna what would you call it like a soft confirmation or something like that just by saying we're not gonna it was a private conversation which would be like oh yeah that means he probably actually said it so i mean like how much of it smacks of like i can pretty much say he told me this and they're never going to deny it kind of thing um, just to make you politi- politically expedient. What do you
2: think, Mitch?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of, I think Biden's probably banking on the Holy See not clarifying. Um, I, I per- personally, I thought the, the idea of the Pope saying you're a good Catholic is strange. I, I've never heard, you know, the Pope tell anybody that they're a good Catholic and that doesn't really seem <laughs> like um, something that, a Pope would do, you know. Um, so that struck me as unusual and I um kind of made me question it. Um Yeah.
2: I have a kind of a theory of of what's plausible, I think. Um and it's this. So, you know, if you guys remember last month when the Pope was coming back from Slovakia, uh, he was talking, you know, he was talking to reporters and he was asked about all this and and he 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 gave a very long answer, but it, a central a part of his answer was the fact that um, this question of whether or not a person should be admitted to Holy Communion is something that should be discerned by the pastor, or even you know, sort of the person and the pastor in, in dialogue with each other, which is consistent actually with canon law that it should be cons- discerned by the pastor, or the diocesan bishop, and so the Pope was really talking about that discernment that you know takes into account other other factors, and that's I think consistent with what um, with what's in canon law and what other bishops have told us you know about their own experience w- dealing with this that it really has to be kind of considered in in light of the person and their formation and the frequency with which they're doing these things and all this and 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 the pope was really emphasizing you know this is something for the pastor this is something for the pastor and uh and that's sort of um fits into his sort of overall I think pastoral theology that places a strong emphasis on kind of like discernment about like the particularities of moral judgments um in the in the in a sort of connection and conversation with the pastor so it seems consistent with just the Pope's approach to these kind of things. And so uh, with that in mind, I was kind of wondering, you know, if Biden, if in some way it had come up, you know, it'd come up like Biden had said, you know, like, well, I've talked with my pastor about these kind of issues, you know, namely, you know, the the incongruence of my political positions with the Catholic faith and these kinds of things. And my pastor as you know, and I go to mass every week and my pastor said that I should keep on receiving communion, which we know that Biden's both parish pastor and um, diocesan bishop have, have effectively said that, or if not said that publicly. And uh, and and you know the pope sort of not wanting to be in this position of kind of like jumping in the in the middle of Bi- what Biden saying his pastor said you know it could have I could see how it could have gone where the pope sort of not along with that or said you know well it's important to listen to your pastor or something like that and mm. it would have uh, uh, it could have kind of seemed to be a sort of like affirmation or been spun to be a, an affirmation whereas really it was kind of uh, um, Biden sort of recounting what had happened and the pope being you know, affirmational of that or affirmational of the process or something like that. I mean, does that seem and plausible?
1: So Biden kind of hearing the Pope say, oh, you're a good Catholic, you should keep receiving communion, when that's not quite what he said.
2: Yeah, or but whether what, maybe you know, or maybe that's sort of like, what Biden said.
1: Oh, it's good to listen to your pastor.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I mean, that seems like it's at least plausible to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that seemed like my thought. If it did, if he did actually
0: say it, there's almost... Just like taking all of the things that Pope Francis has said, even the off-the-cuff stuff, he's always been pretty nuanced in terms of like he doesn't just say, you know, like you said, you're a good Catholic and yeah, keep receiving communion or something without qualifying it. Like if he's actually going to say it, then he probably said something else along with it. I also got a huge kick out of that uh, President Biden actually said God love you when he was walking out of the room. Did you
2: see that? Oh, that, No.
0: He said God love you. It's a lesser known... Salutation oh. when leaving a meeting with the Pope, I think.
2: Yeah, but that's like a kind of like yeah, old school Eastern Pennsylvania <laughs> yeah. Catholic salute, you know, salutation. I suppose with the wave of the wave of the hand. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. yeah. Very interesting. How well, about that? Yes. Well, thank you for entertaining uh, my curiosity and for sharing those thoughts. It's who knows what he actually said, but um, well, that is it for this episode on Jumple the first for <clears throat> all of the plebes. No, I'm just kidding. But we have some special bonus content that we always say for the page, for our patrons and we have guests on. So uh, if you're not a patron, head on over patreon.com slash the All right. Great. Well, this is super fun. Um, J.D., you know, from the first time you were on that I could talk about this stuff all day, but um, I appreciate you all sharing. um info on, on jump the first and on your thoughts on Pope Francis and, and, president Biden. But, um, so for, for listeners who aren't familiar, I'd be shocked if they, they weren't familiar with the pillar by now, but, um, cool. for any listeners who don't know what you do, who you are, where can people find you
2: and how can they connect with you? Mitch, I was going to let you. It is
1: pillar catholic.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook.
2: And you can check out our podcast, the pillar podcast, wherever fine podcasts are found.
0: Nice. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, yes, I um, am a happy endorser of of, the, of all things. The Pillar—it's always um, very entertaining. So, yeah, um, head on over we there. We but... happy
2: endorsers of the of uh, and we happier endorsers of the Popecast. Ah, thank you. <laughs> so the feeling is mutual. <laughs> nice, great. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again, guys. Um, looking forward to
0: hopefully having you on again sometime in the future. But yeah, keep up the great work. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well. Now you all at home get to tell us what you think. Uh, do you think John Paul I was murdered or not, based on what you know now? So let us know in the comments of uh, any of the social media posts where you see us posting this, or shoot us an email, uh, which you can find at our website, thepopecast.fm. Um, thanks again, as always, for listening, for for new listeners and old listeners. Uh, you can find us on Patreon again, patreon.com slash Please, for sure, definitely go over and subscribe to everything uh, that the pillar is putting out. So it's um, granted a lot of kind of Catholic inside baseball, you know, interesting scoop on the life of the church, but then also uh, just a lot of really great explainers on normal things that are, uh, you know, in the day-to-day life of of Catholics or Christians or otherwise, things like, you know, why do we say specific prayers? Why do we say Valley of Tears instead of Veil of Tears? All that type of stuff. So can't recommend them enough. Uh, for longtime listeners of the PopeCast, you'll remember earlier this year, Uh, We had JD and Ed on, so highly recommend going back and listening to that episode if you haven't seen that one. Um, But again, thank you as always for listening. Please leave us a review over at iTunes if you haven't yet. And as we head out today, let us remember as always that although these are strange times we live in, they are no stranger than in ages past. Until next time.